Hey everyone, welcome back to the Not Just Gym Girls podcast. I am Vanessa. And I'm Marissa. And today we're going to be talking about overcoming nutrition roadblocks. So at this time of year, we thought this would be a good topic, just diving into common practices we see within nutrition that are holding people back from their physicals. And with the time of year, we figured it was perfect timing, just given post-holidays and coming into the end of the year, things tend to get a little bit tougher. Definitely. These are some things that we see a lot of times too with new clients coming in and just being able to give you the tips and tricks to be able to approach these things early on. So heading into roadblock number one. So not hitting your protein intake. This is actually fairly common. I would say most people are not eating enough protein. And this is something that we especially see kind of like I mentioned with new clients coming in. And this is truthfully like one of the first goals that we have in place. Before we do calories, before we do macros, we are just focused on can you hit a certain protein intake? So being able to overcome not hitting enough protein, number one, planning ahead. This is so, so, so important because if you don't have a plan, you are that much more likely to not succeed, right? As for anything, if you don't have a business plan, right? And you're not going to be successful. So I think finding options of high protein foods that you enjoy is going to be super important for this. Yeah, for sure. I find a lot of clients that are not hitting their protein. First of all, super, super common. I totally agree. I think a lot of times that when people are coming in, they're often under consuming overall calories, but also protein. And something that I'll always have somebody do is like, okay, where in your day are you able to get in more protein? So I find a lot of people, they skip breakfast or they have a small breakfast, small lunch. If you can increase your portion size of the protein sources that you are consuming that you enjoy. I find that so much more helpful. And like you said, planning ahead is huge. So plugging in your protein first and foremost for the day is what I recommend that all my clients do. So making sure you're getting, you know, 25 grams of protein at breakfast, 25 protein, 25 grams protein at lunch, something along those lines. By the time you get to dinner, if you have 25 grams of protein at each meal, three meals a day, you're at 75. And then if let's say your protein goes 125, you can kind of plug and play with that 50 grams. And it can seem a little daunting at first, but especially if you have a coach or just you're mindful of your protein intake, it definitely gets a little bit easier. I also find that eating higher protein foods, so swapping out something such as like peanut butter that you might think is high protein, but it's more so like a dietary fat source for something such as like a higher protein alternative, maybe if you're still trying to have peanut butter, like PB Fit or something along those lines, maybe having a meat source, something like that, where you are still having calories, but just having that higher protein option. I totally agree with everything that you said there. And I think too, as people start to increase their overall total protein intake for the day, they can get super full, super fast because protein is very satiating, right? So being able to evenly space out your protein and really paying attention to meal timing is going to be super important here too. Yeah, for sure. Not hitting protein, I think it definitely is I think the biggest roadblock when people first come in, but I think it's often the easiest one that's picked up as well. Once you start to make those food swaps and you're a little bit more mindful of it, oftentimes if you're strength training too, your hunger usually is a little bit higher. So having that highly satiating macronutrient being protein, it does get a little bit easier to consume. So love those points. I hope that's helpful for you guys. Number two, I think kind of in the same token where I had mentioned people often are under consuming calories, our second roadblock is just not hitting your calories. So it's super common to see a check-in and someone's like, I was just really full, like I couldn't hit these calories, X, Y, and Z. And along those same lines, I definitely think planning ahead and having meal timing is going to be so important and sticking to that meal timing. I mean, we're all super busy. I definitely think that everyone has a very you know, busy 24 hours, being able to implement these certain foods that you know you're able to kind of grab and go if you're very on the go and 
having certain times of the day where you're sitting down for a meal and you're very, very present is super important. That's really going to help you not only hit your calories, but also make sure that your digestion stays in a good spot, your energy stays in a good spot. And that's super, super important. Yeah, for sure. I see this a lot of times too with my girls who are reversing up, who maybe started on fairly low calories. I'm talking, you know, 14, 1500 calories and are then building up to upwards of 2000. And somewhere in the middle, you know, they do say, Hey coach, you know, I am super duper full. And I'm like, Hey, I totally hear you out, right? It's not a race and a reverse diet either. Um, but being able to look at food sources, right? I think a lot of times people try to like volume hack their way into just like, Oh, I was always eating cauliflower rice on those 1400 calories. So let me eat, you know, 2000 calories of, cal- of cauliflower rice. And obviously, that leads to just a ton of like distension can lead to some digestive issues things like that and it's just like blow not being super comfortable that sort of thing so paying attention to food sources um and for instance like white potatoes they get you really full really fast um versus like maybe like a jasmine white rice kind of thing so i think paying attention to that is going to be so important and also to like opting for more of like high calorie foods right simple swaps like if you're having a ton of egg whites right now, maybe opting for whole eggs and things like that. Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of times too with like not hitting calories, I also, I often think it's maybe like a little bit of a mental block too. And not for everybody, definitely. But I think for some people, when they hear they're eating 1,900, 2,000 calories, it can become a little bit like daunting just in terms of being a woman. And if you're, you've been told or, you know, you keep up with diet culture in some way and you're told to eat low calories, told to slash your calories and you're all of a sudden increasing them, it can be really challenging to start incorporate those foods that you might've once deemed as a fear food that are now safe foods. So an example of this for a lot of people is the peanut butter. So if you restricted peanut butter for a long period of time because you thought it was a fear food, you thought it was bad for you, X, Y, Z, it was high calorie, it was something that you didn't have and you very consistently had like PB fit, like I had mentioned, trying to incorporate that peanut butter again can be a little bit daunting for some people. And I think just educating somebody on like, hey, peanut butter is not going to make you gain weight. Any food in by itself is not going to make you gain weight, right? A calorie surplus is the only way to gain weight. So jasmine rice, potatoes, peanut butter, whatever it is, egg yolks, eggs, whole eggs, none, none of this, none of these foods, if they're higher calorie, are going to make you gain weight on its own. It's more so a surplus of calories over a long period of time. So I think understanding with not hitting calories, like, hey, Is it something where you're really, really trying to hit these calories? You're not skipping meals. You're not skipping breakfast. You're, you know, making sure that you're getting food throughout the day, getting energy throughout the day. And it's something that your hunger cues are a little bit off. Or is it something where you're skipping breakfast, you're having a small lunch, and then it comes to seven o'clock at night and you're trying to eat 2000 calories and you're like, coach, I'm too full because I've definitely seen that too. I love how you mentioned that too. It's like a big mindset thing and a big mindset hurdle, especially for lots of women, because just due to like the diet culture that's been around for so, so long, I would say definitely over the past few years, I think it's getting better. I think there's definitely more education out there, more educated coaches, more people are familiar with like online coaching and getting in that help and guidance. Um, but I definitely think there is a big, big mindset aspect that that plays into it um and also too like going into the next roadblock number three fear of carbohydrates i kind of wanted to touch on this one too because i think a lot of mindset plays into this one specifically as well this is seriously like a very real thing. Um, so being able to slowly start implement carbohydrates that you feel comfortable with, for instance, like bagels. I know that's a big one for a lot of people. So what I will kind of recommend is like, hey, maybe we can't start off with a full bagel. Maybe we can start off with half a bagel, right? And slowly start to add that into your diet and say like, hey, I can eat this bagel and know that skill weight's not going to come up, right? And sometimes it's just as simple as like being able to 
almost like see the equation and see the logic of like, hey, I can have half a bagel today. And I know that when I step on the scale tomorrow, maybe my weight's going to be exactly the same. And repetitiveness um, can really, really help yourself with this one. Yeah, I think where you make a good point too with that is like having the food and seeing that your body doesn't change. And I think that's so, so important, especially as Thanksgiving literally just happened. I think it's so important to like allow yourself to be present, be in the moment, enjoy, you know, whatever it is, the bagel, the meal, the holiday, and then understanding, okay, I enjoyed it. I was present. I listened to my hunger cues. I was hydrated. X, Y, Z. I did everything I had to. And then the next day you notice like, oh, I didn't gain a bunch of body fat. Or like, even if your scale weight is up a little bit, it's not body fat, right? It's glycogen. And I think that's something that's super important. Or maybe your scale weight goes down because the stress was down. Like there's so many things, there's so many things that go into your scale weight and that's a whole other podcast, but it definitely is something too with fear of carbohydrates. I find that people don't often like see the benefit to them. They think like, you know, dietary fat is essential for hormonal health. Protein is essential for building muscle. Okay. Carbohydrates are not necessarily essential is what a lot of people think that it's not true. You know, they think like, oh, it's just like not the most essential. It's more so something with the benefits of carbohydrates, your performance, your training performance. I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast has trained with carbs and without carbohydrates, or maybe just a lower carbohydrate diet. There's such a big difference in your training performance, in your energy, in how you feel. And if you're not consuming carbohydrates very regularly, if you're not consuming carbohydrates before your workout, you're doing yourself a disservice, not only for your physique goals, but just in general for your overall strength, performance, overall health even. So I think familiarizing yourself with the benefits and being like, okay, these carbohydrates have a purpose and not that every food needs a purpose. It's more so just like if you are struggling with the fear of carbohydrates, understanding that they have a purpose and it's a purpose to help fuel you and help like honestly get you closer to your goal. I completely agree with everything that Vanessa said here. And I think what is so important too is education is power. When you lead with education and also to have that correct guidance, I think this is where that like true transformation happens of like, hey, okay, now I know this is what I have to do because of X, Y, Z. And I think a lot of times too, a lot of people just want to know the education why behind things, right? They don't want to follow blindly of like, okay, so why am I doing this and what's the purpose? So I think continuing to always seek to educate is so, so important. Yeah, 100%. I think as the fitness industry has changed over the past 10 years probably where there's always going to be a next trend, right? It's going to be a high fat diet and low carb diet. It's going to be a high carb diet and low fat diet. It's going to be a high protein diet, low low protein diet. These are always going to cycle through. That's just the nature of what it is. Macros are macros. That's science. People are always going to try to put their opinion in there, right? So as coaches trying to educate clients on, you know, Nutrition is so individual. So educating clients on what works best for them, experiment with what with what works best for you. Like, do you feel good on a higher carb, lower fat diet? Do you feel good on a higher fat, lower carb diet? Are you more so a balanced like person in terms of macros? Nutrition is so individual. And I think where you can really lead with that education is being able to show someone the benefits, let them know that there's nothing wrong with having carbohydrates or nothing wrong with having a dietary, high, di- high dietary fat diet and just understanding and leading with that education. For sure. I completely agree with everything that you mentioned there. And I think this also goes nicely into roadblock number four, which is emotional eating, right? So this could be stress eating. This could be sadness and like, you know, oh, I'm really sad. I'm going to go grab a pint of Ben and Jerry's, right? That kind of thing. Um, So how we kind of came up with overcoming this is number one, 
find a better coping mechanism, right? Obviously, food is fuel, right? Food, we should not rely on food for emotional reasons, right? I'm not saying it's never going to happen. Like, okay, you go through a breakup and maybe you have a little bit of extra ice cream, right? But we're talking about doing this consistently. And that's where the real problem comes into play. So being able to find a better coping mechanism as far as calling a friend, being able to journal, being able to read, being able to go out in nature and go for a walk, right? Finding these different healthier outlets to, you know, dealing with this emotional stress or turmoil, whatever that may be. Yeah, 100%. Emotional eating is a tough one because it definitely is easier said than done. I mean, you definitely both know that. But when you're looking for like a better coping mechanism, I think what can be so helpful is like if you have a good support system, seeking help if you need it, right? Being able to call a friend, call your sister, call your mom, call a cousin, call a spouse, a significant other, whatever it is, somebody that's in your corner and that just can make you feel heard. I think it's so, so helpful, especially if you're in that situation where you are having an emotional day and you're going to need that support and you know the Ben and Jerry's in the freezer looks really really good taking a second to reflect on that and understand like okay I'm having an emotional moment I'm gonna go for a walk call a friend journal take a bath do something else if I still come back in 20 25 minutes an hour whatever and I want a little bit of Ben and Jerry's that's okay and that's there's nothing wrong with that I think just understanding when you are coming at it from emotions because like you said it's normal to a certain degree to have emotions tied to food like holidays or something like that if you go through a breakup and you have ice cream like it's normal to have those behaviors to a certain degree if it's super consistent if it's every single day if it's uncontrollable then that's when you run into issues right it's more so something that with emotional eating seeking the help that you need understanding why it's happening looking for a better coping mechanism and just also giving yourself grace I think what can be really helpful with this is just like if you know this is the issue where you would probably want to shift your effort towards if you're tracking macros is intuitive eating. This is where I think this can be such a powerful tool in terms of mindfully eating because when you are experiencing something such as like very high levels of emotional eating and like very high levels of stress, your stress is going to impact your hunger, right? So if you're having very, very low hunger or very, very high hunger, it's going to impact you, right? So making sure that you are having and listening to your hunger cues and honoring those fueling yourself with micronutrients is going to be really important in that scenario and practicing true intuitive eating rather than overeating to hit your macros or under eating to hit your macros for sure and like you mentioned here intuitive eating or mindful eating as a tool is going to be extremely extremely beneficial for these said scenarios and then going into our last point here so roadblock number five and not prioritizing micros i know vanessa just touched on this a little bit micros are micronutrients um fruits veggies things along those lines and being able to overcome that right being able to find fruits and veggies that you like right say you don't like watermelon for any reason if someone is like oh you have to eat only watermelon to hit your micronutrient goals you're not going to want to so being able to find fruits and veggies that you truly love and enjoy and also to kind of like changing up the way that you cook or prepare them right i know when we were younger we would do like a little bit of whipped cream on the strawberries right or um, for example, for veggies, right? If you don't love something roasted, you can boil it. And things along those lines, there's so many different like sauces and seasonings and things along those lines that can help. And then kind of doing a full circle moment, planning ahead. Same thing that we kind of talked about with the protein, planning ahead. Because if you're kind of just going by the seat of your pants, you're probably not going to prioritize as many nights as many micronutrients as you would like to. Yeah, 100%. I think the micronutrients can get missed oftentimes because 
first of all, people don't really think about it. I feel like once you have your macros, you're like, well, I'm hitting my carbs, so I don't really need to be hitting my fiber, which is not true. Definitely trying to hit your fiber. But it is something where I think a lot of people slack on it because it does definitely take a little bit more effort. And something that I personally always do, I'll always have like frozen fruit and frozen um, vegetables within my freezer and ready to go just because it is a little bit more cost effective as well as a little bit easier and more convenient. So I'll always try to add some like fruit or veggies if I'm having like chicken and rice or like steak and potatoes, oatmeal, things like that to diversify, but also give myself that micronutrients and they taste good. So where you had mentioned like with the sauces and seasonings, I find that if clients like just genuinely don't like vegetables, I'm like, okay, I hear you. I definitely don't think that everyone's going to like every single vegetable, but finding vegetables that you like, right? For me, it's like broccoli, green beans, cauliflower. I actually like most vegetables, but if I had a vegetable I didn't like, trying to find an alternative. So for me, like eggplant, I'm not a huge fan of. I'd rather have like broccoli or green beans or something like that. And I'm still getting the micronutrients just in a different way through a different source. And I think this can go for anything within fruit, within vegetables, even like protein sources and things such as that. Yeah, for sure. I completely agree. And also too, you know, you have to be intentional about every single thing that we talked about here, right? It's one thing to say like, oh yeah, you know, X, Y, Z do these things, but you do have to be intentional because if you're not intentional, it can be very, very hard to slack on the protein or slack on the micros and things along those lines. Yeah, for sure. So with that being said, we're going to wrap up this episode here. We hope this was really helpful for you all. If you liked this episode, please leave us a rating and review and we'll catch you guys next Wednesday. See ya.